pleasure to be here. I, I have been excited about this ever since we first uh, talked and decided to have this conversation. It's going to be a great. Brilliant. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I love the idea you're going to tell me where branded searches come from. And what I liked is that you sent me the list and I'm supposed to be the brand SERP guy. And I didn't immediately think of some of the ones that are on the list. So I'm going to learn something new today as well on my favorite topic. Uh, before we start, I always start off with a song and then your brand SERP. So we'll start off with a song. A quick hello and we're good to go. Welcome to the show, Jonas Sickler. I love it. You might get me to do one in the end. I don't know. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Well, you write children's books, so you might be able to sing a children's song. And that was pretty much equivalent to a children's song. Simple, simple words, simple melody, easy to sing, easy to remember. You wrote children's books. I looked up your name on Google. Your brand set very clearly shows all of your books, if we can show that. Um, children's books from the late 2000s, I see once 2010, 2011. How many did you write? Uh, there were six altogether. And um, they kind of all came out in, in a big lump all at once. And um, it, 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 was, uh, it was part of my previous business as, a, as an uh, illustrator, did magazine work and children's book work. Didn't do the actual writing in the books because these were based on pre-existing nursery rhymes. But I did write uh, stories to go with each of them that are secret and uh, can be found. I've done some video recordings of me telling the stories that are on a Facebook page if someone can find it, if they're crafty enough. Ooh. Brilliant. And so you're an illustrator. And as you were illustrating, you couldn't resist rewriting the story in your head. No. And honestly, um, they told me to take it in any direction I wanted, as long as it could fit into the rhyme somehow. And I listened to a lot of music um, while I was working on them for a soundtrack. So I know you're a big music guy as well. And I couldn't I couldn't get inspiration without hearing a soundtrack. So I was listening to right. like African beats while I was doing the, um, the African uh, version. And I was listening to jazz while I was doing the New Orleans version. I just had to I had to use that to get into it. Oh, brilliant. Oh, I love that. That's really, we should have a conversation about that another day. Uh, but for today, if we can put that screen back up, I did underline the word accomplished. What I love is that Google has highlighted in this factual about, it's supposed to be factual, the fact that you're accomplished. So that's a new trick I'm going to try and play is get Google to uh, lord my, my achievements and my clients' achievements by putting in adjectives like that. And the next one is Terakeet. I was really intrigued by this because if you uh, Google Terakeet, we see the Google My Business, the Google Business Profile, with one piece of information, the owner, McLaren Cummings, which comes from Google's, let's say, knowledge. It doesn't come from Google My Business. And then I looked up Terakeet LLC, and I found a knowledge panel for the company Terakeet LLC. And this indicates that Terakeet, a big company, an important company with very high revenues, I checked the revenues as well on Google, uh, will come up as a Google business profile in America. Yes. Even though yep. it's an important company that deserves its own knowledge panel, which needs to be nurtured and grown. Sorry, I'm telling you your job, Jonas. No, I love it. You're right. I mean, and Google is smart enough at this point to know that we most of our entire customer base is in the U.S., Right. Yeah. And it's surprising that Google is still showing a Google business profile in the U.S. for a company in 
um, in Switzerland. And the fact that it doesn't understand that Google Business Profile makes you look like a small company, or maybe it does understand and it, it can't get the confidence or the knowledge to show a better knowledge panel. But that's a huge problem for a lot of companies, and I think a lot of companies don't think about it. And it's a problem for branded search, which is exactly what we're talking about today. Before that, let's have the sponsors. Uh, as always, WordLift are uh, the uh, partners, the production partners in this show. And we've got the video for that coming up. Uh, join me every week with a groovy guest. This week's groovy guest is Jonas. Every week on CaliCube Tuesdays, and it's produced in partnership with WordLift, who are absolutely amazing. I was with them in Rome the other day. They have an artificial intelligence tool that helps you to grow your traffic. And today I'm announcing CaliCube Pro SaaS for agencies, where you can manage SERPs and knowledge panels for your clients as an agency. And super surprise included in the agency model for the CaliCube Pro SaaS platform is the CaliCube Academy triggering and managing knowledge panels, which I've just finished recording, five hours of videos, everything I know about knowledge panels so that you guys can help your clients with their knowledge panel. Really excited to be releasing that in a couple of weeks and it's part of the agency pa package on CaliCube Pro SaaS. Bit of advertising there, sorry for that Jonas, back to the topic which is branded searches. Yes, and uh, so you ask me the first question, then I'll ask you the second one. Oh, geez, I'm gonna have this question. All right, you said you like surprises. I yeah, and so throw throw <laughs> me one right now. Um, how did you get into the whole branded SERP business uh, of of promoting it and talking really? about it? Why why are you doing this? Oh, because uh, because of the blue dog. So it's a similar reason to why you maybe should have got into it as well. Is that the children's TV series came up front and center when you search my name, and basically what my potential clients in digital marketing would say is, I don't want to give my digital marketing strategy to a blue dog, because if you search Jason Barnard, it said literally at the top, Jason Barnard is Boo the cartoon blue dog. So I thought what I realized then is that that was my past life and I had to educate Google about my current life so that when people did search my name, especially in the work environment, they would be convinced that I could help them with their digital marketing and that I wasn't just a cartoon blog, do blue dog, sorry, with a, with a, a silly voice and songs for children. And so from, from your perspective, I knew you as a digital marketer and then I saw, oh, but he's a children's author. And just like Google, I would be saying, well, actually, it might be a different Jonas Sickler. Yeah, exactly. I've I've seen there aren't. It's a unique enough name that you wouldn't think that there are probably any any others out there. But Google has to make that assumption because how do, how does Google know that there aren't there aren't many of us yeah. out there? And um, so you know, and I see honestly, I see a lot of issues with um, even CEOs of really big Fortune one thousand companies that have. A knowledge panel, but they have social media profiles assigned to them from somebody else, and sometimes they're not the best ones to be assigned to them. So it happens a lot, yeah. And it's yeah, it we, is not an easy thing to correct, as you as you know. Yeah, no, it, it, it's hugely difficult. And we actually just helped Jason Hennessy, who's a, an SEO who does law firm SEO. He had three knowledge panels for him himself. Google thought he was three different people, and what we then wow. did is merged the three together. And what that, that meant is all of the social media profiles suddenly appeared because Google couldn't figure out which social media profile belonged to which Jason Hennessy. And once we explained to Google that it's the same one, 
all of them have belonged to him and his his knowledge panel has blossomed in the space mm. of two months because google had this idea it was three different people and that's really easy for it to do with a commoner name than jonas sickler um now the question is why would somebody google my name let's start with people why why do you search somebody's name and then we'll move on to companies for people Gosh, I mean, there's there's so many different there's so many different reasons. I mean, we could you could imagine that um, if you're uh, if you're in the business world, somebody might be searching your name because they're thinking of investing in the company. They want to know yeah. what kind of a leader are you? Do you have good press? Uh, you know, what are your accomplishments? Because a lot of a lot of a company, if you're the your CEO, you're you're leading the entire business, and the direction that mm. you plan to take it is incredibly important. Um, you know, if you're otherwise, if you're you just you're meeting people for the first time, you're trying to build connections. You want to find out who they are. You know, where are they? Uh, you know, what's uh, what what are their social media profiles look like? What are they doing? What kind of press is there about them? Uh, so just kind of just doing, uh, it's very research based, I think, yeah. and connection based when you're at the human level, just trying to understand who are these people and, uh, you know, and, and sometimes maybe just kind of trying to dig up some dirt if in, in other scenarios that maybe, maybe are less, uh, you know, yeah. less kind. No, I, I really like that. It's, I, it's a piece of luck starting with people because it is very much research based. And then we move on to companies. And I mean, I tend to say either the person Googling your name is a client who wants to go to your website and it's navigational, or they're a prospect and they're researching you, in which case it's semi-navigational and semi-informational. Mm -hmm. And you came up with a list of about 20 different reasons somebody might Google your brand name. And I started off with client and prospect, and you're now going to expand that, or you can expand on that and then expand beyond that. Off you go. Yeah, I mean, I'm really, really big on the on the user journey, on the on the search journey, search intent, and what do people want to? What are they? What is their desire that they're really trying to accomplish? And then the words that they use when they're searching in Google is sort of a map to how they think. And then I, I find it really interesting that Google has to take those words and sort of translate them into a psychology of what this person. Mm wants what are their desires and then they have to map google has to map that that desire back to content that's in its own index and try to understand what is somebody trying to accomplish at any given point in the journey and branded search happens it doesn't just happen at the at the end or the beginning it kind of there are many points throughout the, the entire journey that it does happen you know you go from just you know maybe there's a point where you're comparing types of solutions and that doesn't include brands at that point you're still trying to narrow down what's the best thing to help me do what i need to do and then once you've realized the type of solution that you're looking for that's when all of a sudden best companies that do this thing starts to reveal a list of brands and companies that offer a service and at that point you start taking that list and saying well this brand versus that brand uh, and then once you've narrowed down uh, maybe your choices of brands and you say, well, that's the one that I think I really want to work with. Then you take it a step deeper and you start doing product. You know, what are the best right. products that this singular brand offers? And then from there it becomes, okay, now I know what product I want. Now I'm searching brand at the review level. You know, is this company trustworthy? Is this product trustworthy and dependable? And so you kind of, each, each piece narrows the funnel down little by little, but it's all still part of the branded journey. Right. Yeah, no, a couple of really important points there for me. I mean, if we went back up a couple of steps, somebody thinks, right, I've heard of this brand. I think they might be good. I, I Google their brand name. 
how important is Google's stamp of approval with that brilliant brand set, do you think? It becomes incredibly important when it's in, in, it's probably it probably varies. I would say, like if you're looking at a USB drive or a commodity, not so important. If you're looking for a B two B marketing partner, incredibly important. And oh. the reviews that pop up, right? Then it becomes much more. Uh, you know, is this tr is this a trustworthy company? Because I'm investing so much in it. It's so much more than just uh, you know. I'm, I need a blue shirt. Right. Oh, so in that case, sorry, I mean, that's just made me think. I tend to focus on this incredibly important Google business card because I tend to focus on B2B. But B2C, if it's a USB drive, which is relatively cheap, you don't really worry about it. You don't really care about the brand. Um, at what point might the brand search be interesting? I mean, you mentioned investors at one point. So that company doesn't need to focus on the people who are actually buying from them. They need to focus on a different set of people. Right. Yeah, and in that case, you know, the the brand SERP kind of narrows down to, um, you know, the the leadership of the company, the brand uh, itself as well, uh, the history of decisions, sort of like everything that comes together. Because when when you're doing research for an, an investing strategy, obviously you're, you're going to be looking at things like ESG, environmental, social uh, governance, things that are like mm. really important to consumers, but but might not be immediately something that you think of when you're looking up investing relations material. Right. And if you, any of you've those... Just, sorry, you've ahead. just expanded kind of my vision of how this can possibly work in the sense that depending on the type of brand, the type of company, the audience is different, even if the, potent, the, the buyers of this USB drive manufacturer, there are 100,000 of them the actual important people on the brand set are going to be the investors and uh, people they do business with, the partners, and potentially leaving reviews. And you talk about that in, in your description. Reviews, incredibly important. People leave reviews and people find them at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, they are. I mean, it's exactly like in most people, uh, you find that they don't leave reviews unless they've had a bad experience. So that means the good ones are even more important to surface. But um, when when you're searching for something that is is more of an investment from your from yourself as a customer um, whether it's because it's something that you're going to hold on to for a long time or because it costs a lot of money that's when the reviews become incredibly important if it's something that you think of you know you're just going to be replacing more of a commodity that just gets mm. regularly replaced it's it's not quite as important because most people aren't really searching for like you know reviews on napkins and, and that sort of thing but <laughs> but if you're uh, you know if you're gonna have to spend some money and this is something that you're going to keep for a while or is going to influence you know how you interact with the world like a cell phone then obviously it becomes incredibly important the more you use it the more you depend on it right yeah I mean I, I tend to make kind of sweeping judgments and think reviews are incredibly important full stop but napkins mm -hmm. is a great example where reviews are really not going to make very much difference. Right. And it's interesting because sometimes the reviews are product focused. And in mm. some cases, if you're talking B2B SaaS, it's almost more brand or relationship focused. Is mm. this company dependable rather than is their product worthy? Because those are two different questions. One of them is like, if I have an issue, can I trust this company to fix it? Are they reliable and a trustworthy partner versus is the product good? So there are two different pieces of the review puzzle that I think people are going to be looking at depending upon what business they're, you know, are they in B2C? Are they in B2B? Um, what are they trying to accomplish? Right. And, and when people are 
comparing companies, do you think they tend to focus on searching one company, then searching another? Or do you think they just put the two names together with verses? I think it, I think it happens both ways. Um, they're at the, at the, um, as you're approaching the from the top of the funnel downwards, it becomes more of a um, you know best solutions, and then oh here's a list of the companies, and then it's this right. company versus that company. Um, these you know as you narrow it down, you, you're thinking this one versus that one. But then once you get um, you know, and maybe somewhere in there you're also searching reviews for company A and reviews for company B because you've got you know you, you tend not to do that when you know in a list of of. 10 or so companies, but when you're narrowed it down to, I, I really think it's going to be one of these two, that's when it's yeah. the reviews and the testimonials and those things that you're starting to look for to see what the other experiences are for that brand. Right. And to what extent do you think Google is now trying to keep people on the SERP? I mean, uh, if Anton can put that up, it's now got cards in the knowledge panel which basically take up the top third of the, of the cert. And when you look at these cards for people listening on audio, it's a, a brand cert when you search my name with photos in a card and then my site in a card and my TV show in a card and my Twitter in a card right at the top of the cert. And my website has been pushed down yeah, maybe a quarter of the way down. Um, this is Google basically showing a, a complete overview of who I am and where you can interact with me. Um, do you think that's going to move over to companies and products and Google's going to be inform informing people on the set? I think so. I've seen that uh, with cities as well. Uh, if you're yeah. searching a location, it's like, you know, here's everything you need to know from the weather to travel conditions yeah. to places to stay uh, if you search Madrid or something. And um, I, I definitely see that becoming more prominent with companies, especially if they have a digital presence. It's It still amazes me how many companies do not. And um, they either think they don't need it or they've kind of tiptoed in, but they haven't really uh, invested in in defining their brand, their digital brand versus their real world brand, if they are more brick and mortar mindset, right. and they're like, well, we've got 500 stores, you know, everybody knows us, why would we need to, they, of course, they know us online, why would we need to invest in that? Uh, but yeah, I definitely right. see um, brands needing to to invest in that and tell Google everything they need to know. Because when someone does a brand search, it it does if it's just the brand's name there's no there's no indication other than their prior search activity as to exactly what they're looking for so if google can take the prior search activity and say well you've been searching these things and now you search this brand so you probably want to see this particular section of of the brand's online right. presence but if it's just an initial search they, they want to give you an overview of everything because uh, then you can pick and choose where you want to go Right. Yeah. No, 100%. And, and kind of when, when it's just the brand name, they're trying to give all the options. And mm -hmm. I, I did an experiment earlier on where I searched for Jason Barnard, the Barking Dogs. The Barking Dogs is my punk folk group for the 90s. And it just changes the cards at the top to contain the group. And so basically, you've given it an extra clue, and it can create that whole card layout around the Barking mm -hmm. Dogs. I'm obsessed by the idea that although this is people and it would be totally logical for a film star or a film. You can research the entire film or the film star's career just on Google. It's going to happen to companies. It's a question of when. Yeah. And I love that when you do start to search a company's name, if it's a big enough brand, Google will suggest, do you mean, um, in a little drop down, you know, do you yeah. mean um, Nike, the company? 
yeah. and it, and if you click that, then it reconfigures the SERP to be focused on the business. Whereas, you know, I mean, if you start, start searching Apple, it might say, do you mean Apple, the company or the fruit? Or, you know, that way we can just, before you even click, show me the results, it knows which set of results to give you. So it is more accurate because uh, there are a lot of businesses that don't have, that have a common name and that's a big problem in the branded search. Oh, it is. It's a huge problem. We did a, a, a case study with um, Backpacker Job Board and Backpacker Job Board is just the name of the product. And that was traditional SEO, let's rank for Backpacker Job Board. Uh, and he's managed to, Matthew Hayes has managed to turn it all around on its head and he's got such dominance that he becomes representative of the generic term backpacker job board. So if you can turn it on its head, those generic names can be absolutely very powerful. Uh, really difficult to do, incredible job he did. And another thing um, that I was thinking about as, as you were talking is with these big corporations, they don't realize how much, how many different entities are involved in their company. You get the parent company and then all the subsidiaries. And you talk yes. to them and they just talk about the main one and you say, you've got a hundred other subsidiaries and they're all interlinked and they all affect each other. They absolutely are. And, uh, and then, you, you know, then, then the, the leaders, the CEOs, the CMOs, yeah. um, whoever's mentioned by them, sometimes you've got a board um, and the board members are members of boards on other companies and they're not related as far as companies go, but they're related through the entities of the board members, Ooh. which is right. That's and sometimes they have a page. Here's our board members. And then here's all the other places that they're also board members for. And Google just kind of tries to create these nets of relationships and topics to understand what's connected to what, who is connected to who is that Bill Smith, the same Bill Smith that's on this board over here as well. Yeah, no, 100%. And exactly, you've got this, Google's trying to create these relationships in its head. And we think it's really obvious. And everyone's saying, oh, look, it's incredibly obvious it's written on this page. But Google can't just rely on one page. And even that one page isn't necessarily structured in a way it can understand. And when Google's presenting facts in a knowledge panel, and the advice in the brand SERP on the left-hand side, it needs to be pretty sure of what it's doing if it's going to present especially the facts. And that's a big struggle. I wanted to come back to something you said earlier on as well about companies who don't have a digital presence. I would argue that every company has a digital presence, whether they like it or not. That's absolutely right. You, 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 um, they do because Google, if they, anything has been published anywhere, Google pulls it in. It's a matter of a controllable digital presence. Yes. And that's the problem is so many of them don't realize that they have the ability to take control of it if they want to. It's just something that they've assumed happens naturally. That's a really, really good point. Um, people think Google will just understand that it's natural and think I can't affect this. But then if you think as an SEO, I can affect where my web page ranks, then by extension, you can necessarily uh, influence what Google understands and how Google represents the company. There was, I, I didn't include this type of search intent in the original list of topics, but it's something that I've been paying attention to. And I think is important as Google continues to evolve and understand why users are searching for certain things. And also the fact that trust is becoming incredibly important yeah. in the SERP as well. And that is when users search for a topic but they include the brand name as part of the keyword search so for example Ooh. if they were to search you know ahrefs being uh, an seo tool if they were to search you know how to get more traffic ahrefs because they know they want specifically results from ahrefs or if they were to do site colon ahrefs 
how to get more mm-hmm. traffic, you know, just some, some means of connecting a specific entity with a topic. And I think what happens with that is you've got Google probably recognizing that if, if it happens repeatedly that people are searching this particular company for a set of topics that that brand must be relevant for those topics and also that they must be trusted for those topics. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to go as far as to say that influences search results or how much, but I do think that it's an important thing that Google kind of pays attention to as, as far as, you know, what sources are people really paying attention to? Yeah, we've just got Anton who's put up Ahrefs SEO tool on, on screen and all we can see are ads from Systrix and Sam Russian Moz, which is delightful. Um, yeah, and the one thing I would say about that is looking at the re- uh, related searches at the bottom of the brand SERP, uh, what I've noticed for CaliCube is these days it's putting Entity Home, Google Knowledge Graph, um, CaliCube Tuesdays, and it's relating us to entities, topical entities or idea entities more and more and more and related searches seems to be focusing increasingly on that which i find really really interesting and it would appear that our digital ecosystem is so clear that it understands now the topics we're dealing with and as you say i'd love to say we're ranking higher because it understands our topical authority but we're still at the beginning stages of what is topical authority and how do you build it but i definitely think that's something we need to look into the future and brandsept would be a great way to see that yeah, which wasn't I mean, a question. Sorry, I should be asking oh. questions. What about what about um, people looking for jobs? I sometimes cite that. Do people looking for jobs Google the brand name of the company they might potentially be uh, working for? Yeah, and that's that's where it gets really interesting because if you're talking about a a cor- like a brand like a Nike or something that sells shoes, yeah. and you're searching for you know, Nike reviews. You know, how does Google know if you're looking for the shoe reviews or that you want to work for the company and you're looking for what is, you know, reviews of the brand to work there? And so, you know, do I, does, is Google going to show you glass door reviews? Uh, or, and again, that probably is, is going to, it's, it's probably looking at your search history. Were you looking for jobs? Were you looking for marketing jobs for shoe companies? And then, oh, and now you're searching Nike reviews. Maybe Google will shift that SERP a little bit and show you the, the actual employee reviews. Uh, but yeah, I think that's looking for jobs and um, you know career opportunities is a huge brand brand of play. I mean, that's if you're a big yeah. company, you definitely want people you know searching your brand and working wanting to work for you. Right. Yeah, I actually we've got Nike reviews um, up there, and it's all about the customer reviews. Oh, some some people on Trustpilot don't like Nike very much. Um, the the. The, the the search history, I've found that as I search a brand and then I move through multiple searches around it and then I come back, the search result completely changes. But if I close the browser and reopen it, it goes back. It's a reset. Um, I don't know if that's scientifically proven or if it's just my experience, but that seems to be the case. Yeah, I know that there's a way that you can turn on and off your um, your your customized search settings so that Google will not do that. Uh, I don't know if it's default opted in or, or not, but um, you know, sure. sometimes people want to have that that layer of customization, and other times, you know, if you're an SEO person, that's the worst thing in the world for you. <laughs> you don't want to have right. any of those customized results as we search fifty no, and, different topics an hour. And and to, to end, can we have a kind of Halloween scare story about brand crises? Uh, because what happens when there's a crisis and lots of bad news around a brand is there's an enormous peak in brand searches. 
And that's people researching the news and Google's going to surface that news. Uh, how do you deal with that? Yeah, I remember, um, you know, I, I think a lot of it depends on how secure and controllable that that digital footprint is because a lot of the big brands that face crises they know they're going to face them and the first thing that they do is they turn to a pr firm and they book television interviews and and you know they get interviews in papers and things and they're not thinking about the stickiness or the longevity of those articles landing in the serp and then what happens is when there is a very newsworthy crisis, it's like everybody piles on, all the news media agencies write about it relentlessly for a week. And then the, sort of, the story kind of goes away in the real world. But when you have a New York Times or, or a really trusted publication that writes about a story, and then thousands of other publications write about it, and they link back to that New York Times article to cite it, then suddenly it becomes a part of that. And then you still, even if as the other articles tend to start fading away, you might have some that stick on the first page. And then you also have the suggested searches uh, mm. that appear and say, you know, they, they tack on that crisis event, reminding people to keep looking for it because it's been trending for a while. And that's sort of the, a piece of it is the trending component. And eventually, if a brand has taken control of their SERP and push their social profiles up, push their related websites and other online entities that they have uh, up in and optimize them to keep them on page one, then those articles tend to fade much more quickly. It's impossible right. to always keep them out at all times, but they become less relevant because really it's yeah. all about how much content is in Google's index about one topic. And the more uh, Google knows about that in the in the index the, that's related to that brand, the less relevant those other things are. If they become seen as trending and not core to the brand itself. Right. That's a that's a brilliant point. I really like the way you you, you said all of that. And the other thing, of course, is if you've already got control of your brand set and there are multiple stable results in there, the. The, the, the firestorm won't completely dominate your brand SERP. It will take up a part of it. Google will give uh, a more what, balanced view. Um, we managed to do that with one client who had 10 bad articles, and all we did was promote the other stuff from below, push it up to, well, obviously, we can't get rid of it, but we can certainly make it less prevalent. Anyway, thank yeah. you, Jonas. That was absolutely wonderful and delightful. Anton tells me always to keep it to 30 minutes, and we've just over overstepped by 15 seconds. So we're going to pass the baton for next week. Uh, it's passing the baton to Daniel Alphon, who's going to be talking about being found on LinkedIn and looking at LinkedIn as an SEO or a search engine results page, which I'm super excited about. Could you please pass the baton? Daniel, the baton is yours, and I look forward to learning all about how to uh, be visible and present on LinkedIn in the SERP and also on LinkedIn itself. Brilliant. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Jonas. Thank you, everyone, for watching. Thank you, Anton, in the background. A quick goodbye to end the show. Thank you, Jonas. And now you have to sing. And thank you so much for having me, Jason. <laughs> I put you on the spot and you took the spotlight. Thank you so much. See you later, everybody. Thank you.